Can you bow with me? Oh, Father, um, your glory is so beautiful. We fall onto our knees in awe. And it's the heartbeat of our lives to worship in your light. Father, it is our joy to come and worship you today. Um, uh, After um, just a a wild end to uh, the week for our country, and, um, and and just so much going on in the life of our church and um, people traveling here and there and um, deaths in our church family and people hospitalized and um, God, you are you are always working, you are always moving, and by this mystery that we don't quite understand, uh, at the same time that you're gathered here together with us, you're also ministering to Cheryl and her family up in Michigan, and you're also ministering to Shauna Lee, and you're also ministering to people all over the world. Um, God, you are uh, so good, and you're so much bigger than us. And you, you operate um, wholly and completely different than, than we ever could. Um, God, sometimes for us, uh, we, we want to be the ones in control. Many times we want to be the ones in control. But when we step back and we look at what all you're doing, um, God, it, it, there's no way that we could ever compare. Um, God, you are such a good father, as we talked about last week. Father, we just do pray that you would be uh, with Cheryl and her family as they mourn the loss of of her mother. And uh, it has been such a long battle with dementia and um, struggling to to find the right way to to care give and and all of that. And, and, And now it has come to an end, God, and she is home with you. And uh, so we just pray that um, that you would comfort Cheryl and her family in this time. And Father, we just pray that you would be with Shauna Lee. Um, just a, a string of, of health issues, God. And um, just pray that you would heal her body. And also that you would just be with Ted as he um, tries to be whatever she needs him to be at any given moment. And as he tries to um, be her caregiver. Um, and, and Father, just give them peace as they go through this this next physical trial uh, with Sean Lee. Um, Father, we do pray for our groups traveling this week. God, uh, we just pray that you would uh, keep everyone safe, but also, God, that you would meet them in a mighty way uh, in your creation out in the wilderness. God, that you would meet them face to face and that they would see you in a new light, that you would speak to their hearts, God, that they would come back um, completely different than when they left and that there are things from this trip that they would be able to point back to years from now and say that year in the Smokies is when I finally learned that God, whatever it is. Um, And God, we do thank you for our friends from Kansas City, that you bless them with uh, safe travel thus far, and we ask that you continue to do so as they continue the journey home. Um, God, we love you. We thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for the way that you take care of us day after day after day, so much of which we don't even notice until we stop and we look back and we see what you were doing. Um, Father, again, you are such a good father. You are the only true and perfect father we will ever know. Um, We ask this morning, God, that you be with us as we open your word together. 
Father, may the uh, words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing unto you, O God. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you will open your Bibles with me, or open the Bible app on your phones, or however you access God's Word, uh, we are in John chapter 17 this morning. John chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. Hear now the word of God. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. It's the very word of God. Thanks be to God. Hmm. So last week we talked about Jesus on this path to the Father. The sermon series we have right now is called The Path. And so today we want to talk about, as we follow Jesus to the Father, we want to talk about this path to glory. Um, we, we, we hear that term glory sometimes, but I don't think we really grasp or comprehend what it really means. And we may not even really know what it means. It's one of those sort of nebulous biblical words sometimes that we go, what, what does it mean glory, to, to have glory? Um, and of course we have a lot of earthly definitions of glory. But I, you know, I think that I really struggle sometimes to to understand what that is. It's like when you stop and think how long eternity really is and you immediately get a headache, um, your brain just can't quite piece it together. But um, today I want to talk about, as we walk along this path with Jesus, um, what what are we walking toward? What is the end goal? What is, what, what are we, where are we headed? Um I want to share a definition with you of a word that some of you probably have heard and some of you probably haven't heard. Um, I learned a word last year called orienteering that I had never heard before. It's uh, defined as a competitive or non-competitive recreational activity in which participants use a map and compass to navigate between checkpoints along an unfamiliar course, as in the woods. So, last year... On Monday, October 4th, I found myself leaving my home with a co-worker for a retreat in the Ozarks in uh, Arkansas, just south of the Missouri border. Uh, I was not happy. I left feeling rather anxious. Uh, I was annoyed that I was being asked to do this by my employer because I did not want to do it. And I was thinking of every possible reason why 
I really shouldn't have to do this because I have this work to be done or there's this going on at home. And um, I just really did not want to be there. Uh, I did learn three things that week. I learned more than three, but three main things were uh, I learned about myself, which I already knew. I don't like knowing. I don't like not knowing what is ahead of me. I don't like not knowing what's around the bend. I really don't know the first thing about how to read or use a topographical map. More on that issue later. Um, And then we get out of life what we put into it. And we get even more if we begin with the end in mind. We'll come back to that in a bit. You know, we talk about this all the time. God really never asks our permission before he moves on something, before he does something, before he directs us in a certain way. And um, that's somewhat frustrating. In fact, sometimes it even makes us angry because sometimes we'd really like to be consulted before God decides it's a great idea for us to do whatever it is, right? Or before God decides that this event or that event is going to be part of our plan or part of our journey, or this person or that person needs to be part of our life, we, we really wish that God would ask our permission more often. Um, and, and, yet, and yet, he doesn't, no matter how many times we complain about it. Um, but I like to know what's coming next. I like to be able to prepare for whatever that is, because my anxiety lies to me, because anxiety is a liar, right? My anxiety lies to me and tells me if I know what's coming around the next bend, then I'm safe. Then I'm okay. We'll come back to safety. Safety later. So I was down in the Ozarks. I'm with a group of about eight other coworkers. Some of the people I know really well. I work with them every day. Some of them I work for a, a company that builds bridges and tunnels around the country and in Canada. So some of them were from job sites. I maybe knew of them, barely knew them. Um, And we were three hours into the first day of this week-long adventure, and our facilitator tells us to go outside. And we came into the lodge with the conference room. We see all these helmets and harnesses and ropes with carabiners and things hanging outside the front door. And she says, go out there and grab a helmet, a top harness, a bottom harness, and this other heavy rope that's got knots on it with carabiners on it. And then she did a funny thing. She began to reassure us that safety was the top priority at this facility. And I thought, why would we need to be reassured that safety is so important um, going out to get these supplies? So a little bit about me, if you don't already know. I, I don't do heights. It's not that I don't do well with heights. I just simply don't do heights. Uh, I don't love airplanes. I don't walk to the edge of a balcony. And sometimes looking down the middle of a staircase makes me a little dizzy. Um, So when someone tells me to go grab climbing gear and a helmet, I think, I don't need those things because I'm staying on the ground. And you don't need those things on the ground. Have you ever had the feeling that God is preparing you for something? He keeps bringing you back to something in Scripture, some truth in Scripture, or He keeps bringing you up against a circumstance or an individual. That's my favorite. When God keeps bringing you up against somebody that you don't want to forgive, and yet somehow they keep showing up in your life like a bad penny. 
it, it just, and then you, and you know what you have to do, but you just fight against it as much as you can. And you think to yourself, I don't want to do this. Jesus knew as he was praying this prayer that we read this morning, he knew that he was being prepared by the Father and that he was preparing these disciples for what was to come next. They, he had told them what was coming next. They didn't want to accept it, but he had told them over and over. My, I, I joke about the headings in Scripture. Jesus foretells his death the first time. Jesus foretells his death a second time. Jesus foretells his death the third time. They just couldn't accept it. They just could not accept it. And we know that he knew, he says in this prayer, he knew that his followers had been given to him by the Father, that they had been entrusted to him by the Father. And and, and he treated them as such. Um, we know from Jesus' prayer in the garden the night that he was arrested that there was a human part of Jesus that didn't love this path either. And he didn't, there was a, there was a, there was a small piece that, that didn't want to do it this way. And we know from the disciples' reactions every time he foretold his death that this was not the path that they would have chosen. In fact, if it were up to them, they would have chosen something completely different. They would have said, no, Jesus, we'll find a different way. And yet Jesus knew that the cross was the only way. It was the only way. Because if God let us choose the path, we, we will and would always take everything off course. We would always go from God's path and then create our own path and go, no, 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 we have a better way, a safer way, an easier way, a more comfortable way over here. And we're gonna, we'll do it this way, God. And the outcome will still be the same. It'll still be good, right? But Jesus knew, and we now know, that the cross was the only possible way to accomplish what he was sent to accomplish. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. God assures us over and over in his word that we need not be afraid, that he is watching over us, that he is with us every step of the way along the path. He's instructing us always. But you know what he doesn't assure us of? Safety. I can't find anywhere in the Bible where God says that my safety is his top priority. I want to see that in there, but I don't, I don't see that in there. I see where it says that he works everything for our good and for his glory, but nothing about safety. In fact, I don't think the word safety appears in the Bible. And yet I, I know that I can trust God, even though he doesn't fit into my small idea of what is safe. I know that the path I walk down is his path, that he knows what's coming next. But he's very familiar with how my life will play out. Getting back to my story, our leader, after we have our harnesses on and everything, our leader went through this whole speech about how each of these harnesses could hold up to 9,000 pounds and each carabiner could hold 1,500 pounds on its own. And she kept reassuring us that we would not fall. Now, keep in mind, we had not yet even been told what we were going to go do. 
So when someone says you're not going to fall, my mind is saying, fall from what? In fact, I even cornered the nice woman and said, what are we going to go do? How high up will we be? Uh, What is this? And she just kind of smiled, a knowing smile, and it was frustrating. Um, She did say two other key things before we left that were really important and still stick out to me today. Begin with the end in mind, and you only will get out of this week as much as you're willing to put in. What she meant was the amount of life you experience is directly proportionate to how far out of your comfort zone you're willing to go. I think of Peter walking out there on the waves toward Jesus. And sure, Peter sank as soon as he took his eyes off the Lord. And we talk about that. But we don't talk about the fact that Peter would never have experienced what he experienced unless he was willing to get out of the boat out of the comfort zone and do the unthinkable. So sure, Peter sank. But for for a time, and I believe this time was to prepare Peter for what was coming that we read later in the book of Acts. But for a time, Peter was the only one willing to step out of the boat to walk toward the Lord. And think of how many times that Peter must have told that story in his life. Think of how many times you would tell that story if it had happened to you. That story wouldn't even exist if he wasn't willing to step way out of his comfort zone and experience that. Just briefly, but experience that. God assures us constantly, just as as Jesus assured Peter, that, that we can trust him. And if you look back over your life, you can think of at least one instance, maybe a dozen instances, where... You weren't sure if you could trust God, but you stepped out anyway. You put your weight down on your faith, and God proved himself faithful. Because you only get out as much as you put in. If you're not willing to put your weight down on it, it never becomes real. So it turns out that we were getting ready to go on about a 15-minute hike through the woods, to a platform attached to a a tree about 20 or 30 feet in the air. And the platform didn't look like it was made for um, large gentlemen, to me. But um, without going into a whole bunch of details, it was this trust fall type of activity designed to get us out of our comfort zone very, very quickly. And the activity was intentionally placed at the beginning of the week to set the tone for the rest of the week. Once you're snapped out of your comfort zone, it turns out you don't just rush right back in. Once you're out, you're out for at least a time. You think that you'll snap back in. You think, okay, let me just, all right, I'll just do this jump, and then I'm, and then I'm, I'm good, and then I'm good. That's actually not how it happens. It turns out that the thought of jumping was way worse than the jump. It, it's once you get on the other side of it, then you then you go, oh wow, I did that. I could do that. I didn't think I could do that. My mind said I couldn't do that. I love the idea 
love the idea that God does not lead us into uncomfortable, hard situations in life. That idea makes me feel warm and comfortable, and it feels good to know that God does not lead me into places that I don't see coming and does not lead me into circumstances that I don't like. The only thing about that idea is that it's a lie. It's a lie that we sometimes tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better about who God really is, to kind of make an excuse for who God really is. But the fact is that God absolutely does lead us into situations that are uncomfortable, uncertain, and hard. God has spent history leading people he loves into situations they definitely do not love. And if you question that truth, just flip open your Bible to anywhere and start reading. Because God has spent history doing this thing. But here's the thing. Our comfort zones, our comfort zones are about as big as the pew we're sitting in this morning and maybe smaller. And in comparison what God has in store is as big as this entire building. We limit what we get to experience because we want to sit in these small spaces and just experience this little bit that we have around us. But what God has in store is His glory. What waits at the end of the path is His glory. Jesus knew that. Jesus talked about the glory he had with the Father before the world was. That glory is what's waiting at the end of our path as we walk with Jesus. Because that's the only place Jesus leads. That's the only place he goes. He went there when he was when he was here on earth. That's where he went and where he led everyone. And that's where he leads us now. And you can absolutely go through life and attend church every Sunday. Maybe even be part of a small group. Maybe go on retreats here and there. Maybe serve at Potter's Wheel or or any other place and still be firmly planted in your pew. But remember, you only get out what you're willing to put in. So after spending this week in October doing various activities to learn to work together better and learn how we communicate, or or rather don't communicate, um, and what personality traits we have that benefit us or maybe hold us back, we get to the last day and we were handed a topographical map with some checkpoints on it we had to find and a compass. If if you recall what I said at the beginning, I learned very quickly, I don't know the first thing about using a topographical map. I know what one is. I sort of know how to read one, but I learned very quickly uh, that uh, I don't really know how to use it. Um, I can use a compass just fine, but a compass doesn't do you a whole lot of good when you can't identify where you are. You can tell which direction you're going, but you just go so far in that direction and still don't know where you are. You're still lost. I would think that I had found a landmark on my path and look up only to find that the stuff around me didn't match what was supposed to be there on the map. When you look around and all you see is trees and you have this compass, you know which direction you're going, but all you see is trees. You don't know where you are on the map. And I know many of you have felt that way in life. I know I've felt that way a ton of times in life. God, what is going on? Where am I? 
Where are we headed? What do you want me to do here? Which way should I go? I think of God's word as a map and the Holy Spirit as a compass. As our Father speaks to us through his word, we start to sort of see the lay of the land around us. God's word is one story from beginning to end of God, God trying to put his family back together. And as we read it and spend time in it, we begin to see our place in the story. We begin to see our place in that family. And then as we begin to find our place, as we begin to see the path, the Holy Spirit then acts as that compass and points us in the direction that we're supposed to go. And gives us all that we need for our journey. This hike was the culmination of the entire week in the Ozarks. It was a big deal. It was a long hike. It was three or four hours. Um, at each checkpoint on the map, we had to stop and answer questions about ourselves. What did we learn that week? What were our goals for when we went back home? What was our plan for accomplishing those goals? Who would hold us accountable? The whole week had built up to this thing. As we did these activities as a team, we learned about one another, but we learned mostly about ourselves. This hike was to give us time alone in creation to think about what next. I still have my notebook from that week sitting on my desk. I see it every single day so I can learn. I can remember those things I learned that week. Um, For a week that I really didn't want to be a part of, it was a pretty powerful week. But it was only powerful because I allowed myself to be open to what was happening. And really, honestly, I, I, I just said, God, what are you, why am I here? What are you doing during this week? Um, in our passage from today, Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of this world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Remember those 40 years that God led the Hebrews through the desert out of Egypt? Through the, into the, he led them into the wilderness. There was a different path they could have gone, right? But God led them into the wilderness. And what did they do? They complained. They said, why did, why did we leave this great life we had in Egypt for this? This great life in slavery. But why did we leave that for this? God ransoms them out of Egypt and then leads them directly into hardship, really. Why in the world would he do that? After his people spending 400 years in Egypt to pull them out and then lead them into hardship so that they could learn who he was, so that they could learn who they were, and so that they could learn who they belonged to. In John 13, 3, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. Never forget who you are, who you belong to, and where you are going. I love each of my children desperately. But as I watch my teenager, especially... Day after day, I'm reminded more and more that my children belong to God, that there's, they reach a point where there's nothing more that I can do. I can't direct their steps any longer. I can't threaten things and get them to listen to me and go do what I want. They are on their own. They are making their own decisions. 
I can do my best to set an example in my home of who their real father is, their heavenly father. But ultimately, ultimately they belong to him, and I'm not in control. And it's not a great feeling. During my hike, I got lost a lot, <laughs> a lot. I got frustrated a lot. I felt defeated a couple of times. There were times when I'd be walking up out of a ravine. Walking down into a ravine isn't quite so bad. But walking up is a little bit of a different thing. Uh, and the, the, They would be so steep that I'd take five or ten steps and stop, five or ten steps and stop. It was hard. And there were times I would be walking along, the trees would open up, and I'd look out onto these beautiful scenes. I mean, just beautiful scenes in, in the Ozarks uh, of creation. The hike was the hardest part of the week, but it was the absolute best part of the week. I loved it. I felt accomplished at the end of it. I, I, I wanted to and, and still want to do more of it. It was so enjoyable. But if you're here this morning and you find yourself in the wilderness, remember that there is beauty even and especially in the wilderness. There's beauty in the valleys. Don't get caught up staring at the trees and worrying about the trees and that you can't get out of the trees. Keep moving forward. Look for those times when the trees part and you get to see what God is doing. And don't give up. You were uniquely created not to serve, not just to survive the wilderness, but also to bring others out of the wilderness. Everyone is living out a story every day. And even the closest people are living out a story that you may know nothing about. And they have no idea how to find their way out and no knowledge of the fact that there's a God who has sent you to help them. And if you're one of the people who doesn't know how to find your way out this morning, stay on the path. The path will lead you home. My all-time favorite book is The Hobbit. And at the point in The Hobbit, they go into this dark forest called Mirkwood. And the last thing that Gandalf, the wizard figure, tells them before they go into Mirkwood is don't leave the path. If you leave the path, you won't find your way back. There's all these dangers. Don't leave the path. And, of course, because it's a book, they leave the path and all kinds of terrible things happen. But then at the end, it's all happily ever after, right? The path will lead you home because God has provided a way through the wilderness. God sent Jesus to lead us back home. God has never changed. He has the same desire for us that he had for the Hebrew people in Exodus, in the Exodus from Egypt. He desires for us to come back home to him. He desires for us to be glorified as he is glorified. And as you spend time in God's word this week and in prayer... Do it with a new purpose. Begin with the end in mind. When I read the New Testament, 
So many of the writers of the New Testament had the end in mind as they were writing. Everything they did every day, they thought about what was coming. They thought about Jesus coming back. Approach your walk with God as a journey to glory. But I want to challenge you to do something this week with that time with God. I want to challenge you to spend one hour with God per day at least five days this week. And for some of us, it's like an hour. I get it. However you spend that time with him. Maybe you decide to go on a prayer walk. Maybe you walk your neighborhood. You pray for your friends, your neighbors. Maybe you you find, maybe maybe there's a place you really like to walk or like to spend time in creation and you spend time with God there um, in prayer and communing with God in his creation. However you decide to do it, spend an hour per day, at least five days this week, alone with God. Alone with God. It means church doesn't count as one of the days. Um, I'd also like to challenge you to do one more thing. Spend at least one hour this week with non-believers. One of the last things Jesus said to the apostles before he left was that they would be his witnesses, which means they would witness to what they had seen and heard in Jerusalem, so very familiar territory, in Judea, still People who think like them mostly, and in Samaria, people who don't think like them at all. Spend an hour this week with non-believers. You know, Friday we had some tremendous legislation come down from the Supreme Court. Um, And praise God that our Supreme Court has finally taken a biblical stance on the value of human life and has finally undone a mistake that never should have happened. But I'm afraid for the church, the big C church, that many of us will rely on the Supreme Court to speak for us instead of relying on the Holy Spirit to speak through us. Again, I'm not saying that the legislation shouldn't have happened. I'm just saying that Abortion has not gone away. It is simply simply now up to states to decide what they want to do. And already, by the end of the day Friday, huge organizations and many other companies were saying, we will pay for our people to travel to a different state that allows the abortion to happen. It's not going away. It has changed some, but it's not going away. And so, from our perspective, nothing has changed. The need for conversations with those who are hurting is still there. We can't allow the government to to legislate instead of us listening to the Holy Spirit. We have to spend time with non-believers and have conversations because it's through those conversations that the Holy Spirit speaks into people's lives and changes hearts. And the changed heart is the solution. Because it's a hard issue. Let us not rely on the Supreme Court or on our government. Let us rely on the same Holy Spirit that was given at Pentecost. When you read the book of Acts, that same Holy Spirit exists in you and exists in me. I'll put my trust in that before I put my trust in government. 
And please don't hear disrespect of the government. That's not what I'm saying. But remember, you begin with the end in mind. Begin by asking God to show you where he wants you to be, who he wants you to be there with. Let him give you the words to say. Because it's his path that you're walking. He knows what's coming next. We don't have to. You pray with me? Oh, Father, we thank you for the way that you lead us, the way that you love us, God. Um, you know, as, as parents, we, we look at our children and the way we instruct them um, is not always perceived as loving by them, but we lead them out of the love we have for them. We lead them based on the vision we have for who we know that they can be. God, we know that you lead us the same way. We know that you love us that same way. And, and sometimes we don't like it. Sometimes we don't want to do it. But we know that everything you ask of us flows out of your love for us. God, it is our joy to, to open the word together this morning, to, to be here, to worship you. God, um, we just ask that you continue to speak to our hearts as we continue in worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.